0: Our scripture reading this evening is taken from the book of Judges, chapter 9, verses 7 to 15. When it was told to Jotham, he went and stood on the top of Mount Gerizim and cried aloud and said to them, Listen to me, you lords of Shechem, so that God may listen to you. The trees once went out to anoint a king over themselves. So they said to the olive tree, rain over us. The olive tree answered them, shall I stop producing my rich oil by which gods and mortals are honored and go to sway over the trees? Then the trees said to the fig tree, you come and reign over us. But the fig tree answered them, shall I stop producing my sweetness and my delicious fruit and go to sway over the trees? Then the trees said to the vine, you, come and reign over us. But the vine said to them, shall I stop producing my wine that cheers gods and mortals and go to sway over the trees? So all the trees said to the bramble, you, come and reign over us. And the bramble said to the trees, if. In good faith you are anointing me king over you, then come and take refuge in my shade. But if not, let fire come out of the bramble and devour the cedars of Lebanon
1: Rob, well, it's lovely to have you with us. Thank you for being with us this evening. Um That was the reading you asked for. Yes. Why? (laughs) And how does it take us into what you wanted to be saying?
2: Um, I selected this uh, text uh, before the election by a long time because my perception was that the whole campaign itself was um, starting at the very bottom and so it couldn't climb very high. Um, What Qualifications I would ask, did uh, Donald Trump bring to this tremendous task if he should be elected? Uh, and I didn't see, nor did I see throughout the campaign, anything that argued a serious in-depth commitment, in-depth preparation, or in-depth abilities uh, to perform a task at the level we've just seen uh with a man of enormous talent, enormous reserve, and enormous sensitivity to the rights and needs of people around the world uh, as a reserve about how to use Americans' power and influence without overwhelming other people's rights. But it didn't work uh, because throughout, all his moves were attacked by people who were his political opponents ought to have been loyalists and puts me in the same situation now. The question how do I respond with a man who uh, is potentially someone who will lead the country in directions that are unpleasant to me. Thank you.
1: I I wonder if you could when we heard you speak last week, those of us who were able to be at the home group, you were fairly clear that although you understood what was going on, you thought that Hillary Clinton probably would win. What do you think happened? What, I know you've been away, uh, but in uh, terms of what you've been hearing.
2: Since she referred to that event, let me fill it in a little bit for the rest of you. Um, my whole argument was if we listen to our head, uh, the choice would be quite clear. If we listen to our emotions, then it is completely unclear to me. It was then, and I even said, I'm not certain by any means, and my only sense of security was the betting line in London. Nothing that happened in, in the United States left me with any sense that what I wanted to happen might happen, and it's clear to most of you by now that I didn't want what happened to happen as it did. Um, the question of um, of um, what to expect now is quite an open question. Um, the question um, about what happened. It was not a revolt against the powers that are in our government. Those were left virtually intact and even, in some ways, strengthened. Never mind the popular vote, which is you know, uh, some, somewhat in favor of uh, Mrs. Clinton. But the structure of American politics divides the power state by state. And of course, ours is a, uh, a um, unified set of separately empowered states. And those votes, uh, are uh, they've never been countered. But there is no law that says they can't change their mind at the end. And when you hear commentators say that Trump is not necessarily going to be the president, there is infin- an infinitesimal possibility that somebody might revolt and that would create a constitutional crisis if someone decided not to follow the popular vote that, that uh, dictated them in that direction. And we can talk about the key states that did that. We basically knew at each end what 20 states would do on either side of the election. But the 10 states in the middle, only two Hillary won, Uh, only Virginia and, well, can't even remember the other one, but uh, Trump won Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, uh, Ohio, Michigan, Iowa, and Wisconsin. If she had won any three of those, it would have been a different final thing. So it's a comp- American presidential elections are complicated issues. Uh, and if in the end the tie was, uh, there was a tie at the very end of the electoral votes, then the, the House of Representatives makes the vote and then it, you know exactly what would happen then. So anyway, it's not an easy thing.
1: You've spoken about um, what was under you? You said a little this morning about what was underlying this vote for Donald Trump. I wondered if you could say yes. more about that. Uh,
2: as I said, then there are three or four words, and I used an alliteration so we could remember it: anger, and anguish, and anxiety, and alienation. Uh, those are the things that, that uh, were key to this vote. Um, Trump. I should address him properly as uh, Mr. Trump, the uh, designated president now, uh, did not address those. Uh, his uh, issues were, I will make things right, but he never said one thing about how he would do it, how he would bring jobs back to the country. Uh Uh, it is unlikely that he's going to be able to force a major corporation to move its headquarters back to the United States or to move money back. The corporate headquarters do not listen to political voices no matter how high they are. And we've watched the steady um, exit of corporate headquarters, not the headquarters themselves, but the symbolic headquarters move offshore. Either to the Caribbean or to uh, to Ireland or some other attractive tax haven, so they would pay very little taxes. The formal tax rate on corporations in America now is 35 percent, but almost no major corporation has their headquarters. General Electric doesn't pay taxes in America. I mean, that, that's too absolute a statement, but almost no taxes paid by one of the most uh, productive uh, uh, countries and with an enormous commitment to the United States, but no feedback. Well, we've elected a president who brags that he did not pay taxes for the last 20 years because of a loophole that's allowed by the same Congress that we reaffirmed in the election. So it is not an attempt to fix the situation. It is an expression of frustration And uh, if you allow me to be personal, um, uh, the culmination of 30 years of direct attack, which drove Hillary Clinton to the kind of secretive personality we saw toward the end. Uh, uh, She has been prepared since college days to serve this task. No American candidate in history has been as well prepared for that office as she But she had two flaws. She still has them, hubris, overweening pride, and greed. Um, There's no reason why she and her husband ought to have accumulated wealth in the uh, tens, perhaps hundreds of millions of dollars, because they started off just like ordinary people like me. Uh, my reading is, it was that emotional uh, response, and re- response not of affirmation, but of rejection.
1: So people just wanting something other than they had, wanting uh, to say no rather yes, than yes. Yes, to say no.
2: no. 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 Okay. Never to say yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me just say something about uh, America, because... This country and America are bound together in ways that no two countries in the world elsewhere have. It's not just language, it is, uh, someone asked me uh, uh, what my field of uh, of, uh, academic learning is, and I said English literature. One of my friends out at Chipping Norton couldn't figure out why an American would major in English literature. Well, because there is John Donne, and there is William Shakespeare and there is Geoffrey Chaucer and all down the line the, the the Tone of America, the King James Bible, which by the way, I'm a rotating chaplain to a senior citizens home of assisted care, I never read from a contemporary Bible. I use the Bible I was given in 1957, every Wednesday, uh, uh, monthly Wednesday meeting, I read from that Bible. They know it too. And it's the Bible they memorize. And it's the Bible I memorize. I, I don't memorize the Bible in some new text. And when you do the Lord's Prayer, I stumble a bit here in the church. That's why we put it up on the screen. We all stumble. <laughs> so, But let, let me say something about, why America is thought of as ideal. From early on, many people said, oh, finally we can break free from whatever sense of oppression in this country or in Holland or in Germany or in Italy or wherever and find an ideal place. Uh, It was like a New Eden and English poets like um, Blake wrote, uh, a long poem called uh, America, a Prophecy, uh, where Blake believed that it was God's last best chance to get at humanity, <laughs> get to humanity, I don't mean humanity. Then there was a French visitor to America called Saint John. Y'all, do you know his name? Saint John, if you use the British. Uh, uh, book about uh, uh, America in which he idealized the country. So let me say up until after World War II, Americans tended to think we're too good for the world. Then something happened in my lifetime. The first time was in uh, Korea. Something happened in Korea which was just devastating to America. Uh, we discovered that half of the weapons on the front lines of Korea, despite all of the destruction, hundreds of thousands of people on both sides, and I, half the weapons were never fired. I don't why. Because they weren't properly trained to kill. Then Vietnam, and a few words which are frozen in American negative memories forever. One of those is and another visual is that little naked girl who was blown up in the middle of a camp because the soldiers knew that any little child uh, coming into the camp was a walking bomb. So we know all about that now because British or American or UN soldiers are not killed by direct fire in the Middle East. Now they're killed by roadside bombs, uh, IUDs, and, and the non-confrontational, planted, destructive. Devices. So now America is not good enough for the world. we It's really an anguishing reality. And so this week we proved it. So you,
1: your sense is that America lost confidence in its own
2: place, Specialism, in its
1: own special, yeah. specialness Specialism, in the world, and that yeah. has led to this alienation and this anguish and yes, this yeah. scream of make so, things different.
2: One direction that... Do we have, do we have Absolutely, direction? we're fine. Um, it would be said that um, Trump... One, because the evangelical vote for him. That's true. But it is the strangest truth, because that's the fact. There were about, the statistics here show about 80% support. Folks, those weren't voting, votes on Christian values, as I understand them. They were votes against two trends in modern open Christian understanding of living in the world. One, uh, it has nothing to do with theology, one was a question whether a woman has the right to bring a child to the earth if she was pregnant or if she has the right to terminate the pregnancy for whatever personal reasons she might have. Now, American jurisprudence and American courts have confirmed or affirmed the woman's right to terminate a pregnancy. Uh, second is LGBT. Now this country, America, uh, has affirmed the dignity and the rights of people uh, of whatever sexual preference or sexual attitude uh, have the rights of all citizens everywhere. But that has enraged evangelicals. So they Evangelicals have voted for Trump on two political issues, nothing to do with theology, because of their perception of the threat of values they have honored. Um, It's it's not anti-evangelical. It's anti-two, what I call, single-issue voting issues. Now, I can tell you that one of my very best friends, and, and is uh, uh, a nuclear physicist who's about three or four years older than I. Has worked in Los Alamos, grew up in Belgium, went to one of the best uh, schools in Belgium, came to the U.S. His wife is a Ph.D. architectural historian. Both of them are voting on one issue: abortion. They the uh, unborn child image in very conservative Catholic, they're Catholic, very conservative Catholic or Protestant Christians is a deciding, decisive issue. Uh, And if you look at the evangelicals, those are the issues that elected Trump from their perspective. The other one is uh, another issue that off that issue altogether is on the question of the disappearance of high paid manufacturing jobs. Now, Mr. Trump claims he's going to bring them back. That's blowing smoke, if you know the metaphor. It isn't it or in the vernacular, it ain't gonna happen. Fewer and fewer people are needed to make anything to manufacture anything more and more uh, machines can do the whole process. There is a factory in Texas, two miles long, not one human being in it producing high tech weaponry. No human touches it at any point. So, are we going to go back and put them together with human hands? We are not. Uh, I just bought a new car after years. Uh, It's made near me in uh, central Kentucky. Uh, But mostly in the teamwork between human beings and machines, Toyota. Uh, So um, Trump says, I'm going to fix all this. The question is how? There is no answer to that. Trump is a mystery. Nobody knows who Trump is. He's secretive, extremely lonely. I have an article with me about the extreme loneliness of his personal life. He seems to have no personal friends, only people he can use. I don't know what he's going to become. He may change and be the best we could hope for, but we don't know.
1: One of the things that's been very obvious to those of us from here watching the, the campaign, and yeah. this, is that this um, has shown up and I think has exacerbated really deep divisions in, in society. And it's something we've been living with, with the Brexit today. And I, I wondered what your understanding or your hopes were about how that might be healed. And I gather that Mr. Trump's um, speech was heard as conciliatory and emollient and trying to bring people together. But I just wonder, how's that gonna happen?
2: Um, I've listened to two or three of uh, Trump's uh, public statements since then. Um, I hate to be cynical, but I've listened to Trump say a lot of things Uh, most of them off the top of his head, most of them. Surely he couldn't really feel that way about decent people opposing him on the stage seeking a high office. But if you listen to what he said about them or what he said about Hispanics, about Mexicans, about Muslims, about the parents of of a young man who died in the service of our country, you question how could he... A serious candidate say such things without the, at least the the guarded moment of that 's not decent, so I really don 't know what Trump is like mr trump I, I, i'm sorry to say i don 't know I do know that he 's been sued almost four thousand times for breach of contract or for otherwise disappointing the person he made a deal with. I do know that he has systematically refused to pay workers what he had agreed to. And his answer is, it wasn't up to my standards. And and his response is, sue me. I've got more money and more lawyers than you. Um, It's an odd way to respond to to criticism. I don't Want to uh, to seem to say that we can't live with Trump, but we hope that he will be much better than what he has demonstrated for us so far. The refusal to tell the American people anything about his tax situation, his property situation, his net assets, or his his uh, his life, but and we discover from many sources that his life has been anything like what he has projected it to be and yet he declares he will sue every one of them who said that. You know, a way to treat response. So
1: when a society has got itself to the point of this level of division what, what resources have we got to try and rebuild and this is an us question as well as a US question I think how do we begin to bring people together and to heal some of these divisions, to learn to talk to one another again?
2: Um, I don't know the answer. but I fear that it will be a long time before we can talk to each other. and some of you, um, four or five of you here heard me say eight or 10 years ago, uh, in a speech to the Northern group in which I titled. The title was, The Disintegration of the American Political System. And well, actually, we're watching what I said would happen, happen. And I'm sorry to, to, to have been able to say that. But we don't, don't hold you personally that. responsible. <laughs> I, I don't think it's likely, in short term, to see any healing. Uh, this election is... Um, is very divisive and it will be further divisive, I think. Um, maybe there'll be a healing, but I don't see anything on uh, the extreme of either political pers- persuasion to, to find a rapprochement, a um, uh, uh, kind of conciliation. Uh, maybe but uh, it would take the Lord's doing because I don't see anybody stepping forward. Now, Hillary promised, and Hillary has a record, of going across the aisles uh, and was a very effective senator because she could deal with the other side, but it's rare in American politics. And the voices I hear uh, being brought forward, the, the names being brought forward about advisors to to Mr. Trump uh, are not people who have that kind of history uh, in, in their political background, and uh, in some cases, they seem to be almost inflammatory. Uh, one former mayor of New York, I won't name here, mm-hmm. so, uh, um, but making open threats about legal action. Um,
1: so. so We've been hearing about folk out on the streets at night with the "Not My President" placards. Yeah. Have you any? Do you know anything about this? Can you say anything about it?
2: Yes, that happens every time. Okay. It happens every time. So, so we're hearing about it this yes. time, rather than it new. But okay. um, my, uh, um, it's the. I think the. The voices making those very loud and very forceful objections are the young hopefuls who put so much of their wish on the change promised by uh, 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 no, but Obama, of course, uh, yeah, Bernie, Bernie Sanders. Sanders. Uh, but Bernie Sanders was never gonna be elected even if he'd been nominated because of one word. Did anybody know the word? Socialist. No matter what kind of socialist in America, that is a destructive word and immediately opponents would have captured the negative image of that and blown it out of sight. So, uh, I maybe in a year or two, if things smooth out a little bit, there'll be less uh, hurt or maybe the hurt will be very deeper and maybe things will get better. And I'm hoping we we come through it. After all, I'm still a Christian, so we've, we've got that, uh, the eternal hope. Yes.
1: Sorry, that sounded more cynical than it was meant to. Yes, thank you. I um, I wonder if others want to ask questions. I'm can you manage them? If there's anybody who wants to get involved in the conversation.
2: Oh,
0: oh, yeah, sorry. Sorry. Awesome. I'll, uh, yeah. I'll bring this round if anybody wants to ask any questions.
2: Thank you very uh, much, Bob. Let, let me uh, suggest I'm very hard of hearing, so uh, we'll do the best we can.
3: Yeah. I'll speak as clearly as I can. It's Duncan. Thank you, Bob. Um, I wanted to follow on from what Ruth was saying about the sense of division, and uh, that certainly has been a very difficult thing for us in this country this year. Um, I think the problems became apparent with the referendum on Scottish independence, uh, which showed that there was a, a lot of division about the future of the United Kingdom, including divided views in Scotland. That was emphasised again this week with a very um, tense atmosphere uh, with a football match between Scotland and England which took place on Friday in which hundreds of Scottish people came down here in a a very aggressive mood. And this, this, this sense of division over the American election, of course, has affected us as well because it has highlighted the associations between some of the Brexit campaigners and Donald Trump. The first visitor to Donald Trump's Trump Tower from the United Kingdom this weekend has been Nigel Farage, Um, and it doesn't look as though Theresa May will meet him until next year. We've already got a very, very divided political system, great splits between... The government and the opposition, and huge division within the government's Conservative Party as well at the moment. So, I think that really this election result has continued to, to create hurt in a place that we were already hurting, as Ruth has, has sort of indicated in what she was saying. We already felt pain about our divided society and our divided world. Um, And I think that that does leave us with a question as Christians as to how we respond. It is really difficult because particularly when we think about the American election for us, when we hear it was the Christians, it was the evangelicals, it was the Protestants, it was the Baptists who supported Trump, it puts us in a difficult position here. I mean, sometimes I don't want to tell people I'm going to a Baptist church for the the associations that it brings with it that's a comment rather than a question, but I think it does come back to the question that Ruth was asking, and we can continue to ask, is what can we do to heal the divisions within our society and within our world?
2: Uh, Actually, the essential issue I haven't even mentioned yet. There is a very legitimate reason for why this this, uh, election turned out as it did, because Many, many millions of people in America feel completely left out of the success. Uh, There is strong evidence of economic growth, and even in my portfolio, modest as it is. um, This summer, uh, when the Brexit vote occurred, uh, my portfolio dropped uh, immediately. But I'm not one to panic at my age. I mean, you're going to live a little longer. Uh, but within two weeks, it was back to normal. Since then, it's higher and higher. And the same thing happened when Trump was elected. But what we must not forget is those millions of people are working, if they are working at all, if they can find a job, for minimum wage, seven fifty an hour. And young people entering the market are off those rolls because the employers say we can't afford to pay enough for you to live. What? Then because we have to have what thirty-five percent of the investment return? Something strange happening. There is a new book on the uh, on the shelves now called um, uh, not brand new but four or five years old called um, Why Nations Fail. The thesis is they fail because wealth is accumulated in the hands of the very few. In America now, 90% of the wealth is held by 1% of the population. In fact, it's even worse because the top 10% of that control, nearly 90% of that, When that happens, it reflects the fact that the society no longer cares for the dignity of the ordinary person. And the politics in America has gone so far off rails that representatives do not represent citizens. They represent lobbyists. I'm not making that up. The... uh, um, CBS News reported this fall that that representatives spend two and one-half times as much time raising money for their next election as they do legislating. And this past legislature spending very little time legislating, most of the time examining the, the behavior of their opponents, not even dealing with issues of state or of uh, finance the question can we, for example health care the health care in America is in a serious issue uh, it's not because um, uh, the Affordable Care Act called commonly Obamacare uh, it's not because it's bad it's because it's imperfect and the, the Republican Party has vowed to destroy it but they have not offered an alternative Nobody knows what they're planning to do. Uh, and how they would ensure that the bottom forty million people in the United States get any kind of health care except emergency room service, which is by far the most expensive one. So how they're going to be more economically efficient is a mystery. As much of the policy yet before us is a mystery, which it's it's unclear. So, but my point, lest we forget the main point, is that those uh, outsiders, uh, many mothers of small children have to work two or three jobs to feed them, lock the child in a room behind four locks in the central cities of the United States, so for the child's safety. Children are murdered on the streets by drive-by shootings in gang situations. and I mean, I'm, I don't want to say that's the picture because uh, sometimes I don't even lock my door at night. Uh, and th- while I was growing up, our home did not ever have a key. When I was growing up, the house we lived in did not even have a key to the door. So it's not all ground. But we must not forget those most needy and uh, the homeless and the destitute and the aged poor. Uh, um, I might have ended up aged and poor. Fortunately, I'm not. But uh, it's God's blessing.
0: Uh, I I wonder if I might just ask a, a quick question. Um, I was fascinated by the uh, Bible reading you chose for us this evening, the parable of the trees from Judges. There is a biblical perspective on systems of oppression at a national level that they contain the seeds of their own destruction. So there is this cycle you get through Scripture of oppressive empires arising and causing their own downfall. And I think something of that is reflected in the parable of the trees with which we started. I I just wonder, I mean, for all of Obama's many good qualities, and believe me, I'm a fan, he nonetheless introduced drone warfare at a much higher level than previous presidencies. Hillary has been part of a great deal of warfare stuff that's been going on. So there is blood on the hands of those on the Democrat side in this, and I just wonder what your view is on the, the, the kind of broad theology of the judgment of God on a system that causes even good people to do bad things in the name of that system. Uh-huh. Well, you chose the parables. So, right? so here, here
2: I come with background in philosophy and theology and he has be, this is a great question. Uh-huh. Um, let me tell them the rest of the story. Abimelech came to power and this king issued by murdering 70 of his brothers. But he was not a child of the wife. Do you know, do you remember that? It's interesting. He was a child of the handmaid, so he was, ready for this word, a bastard. And so they already knew to be suspicious of Abimelech, of, but, you know, metaphorically. He murders on the same stone. He hired henchmen. The scripture says worthless people to support him. He murdered all of them, but God wasn't going to forget it. And this story was told by the man God sent to give them the lesson. What happened was that he just went riotous, but he was trapped under a building where people were dropping things on him. And uh, Abimelech was struck on the head by a woman who, th- woman! who threw a stone down and was, he was dying. And he begged one of his henchmen soldiers to run him through so it could not be said that he was killed by a woman. That's, uh, that's the scriptural answer in the same context of the question you asked. Now, the question about uh, uh, us having to do things which contradict our best nature, uh, I had to wear a uniform for two years. Um, I considered uh, becoming a conscientious objector, but it would have been a brand new on the spot, and they would have objected to that. And then I asked if I could serve as a chaplain's aide, but that was only after they spent tens of thousands of dollars training me as as a um, guided missile electronic specialist for for field nuclear weapons. They weren't going to let me be a chaplain's assistant. No, I was not going to be a chaplain's aide, so uh, even in my life I've been caught up in this. Um, I have studied the question of the just war, as I'm sure you have much of your life, and many of you have considered that issue, I'm not sure it's possible now to argue a just war. Um, One of my good friends wrote a book for his dissertation called Armour's Iron Brace. And he argued in this dissertation that after you could kill somebody, after the point where you could kill somebody you could not see, then just war's arguments which have been developed brilliantly by the Catholic Church throughout its history. It's absolutely, that argument would be well worth any of your investment of time to get to know it. Um, I think uh, we must never have another war, but how do we get out of the one we're in now? It's, do you know the, the um, uh, fable in America of, of, of rare rabbit? Well, Brer Rabbit got himself tangled up with uh, um, the tar baby, and he got mad and says, I'm going to punch you. And so he punches, but he couldn't get his hand back out, the tar. And finally, hands, foot, head, and all is tangled up in that. And that's what we've done in Syria and in Afghanistan. We don't know who, who's where in Afghanistan right now. and, and um, uh, my, the, uh, let me suggest that there's one voice uh, in the Arabic world I wish we could all listen to and it's the King of Jordan have you listened to some of his statements a very thoughtful, very sensitive man and um, and yet he had to resort to strong violence when one of his own close friends, was murdered, burned alive in a cage by ISIS. I don't, it's an imponderable, not easy answer, clever man.
0: (laughs) Um, Yeah, there's another sermon. I'll hand it over for another question in a minute, but just a little plug. We have a recording on our Bloomsbury SoundCloud page of the debate, who would Jesus shoot? between uh, Tom Yoder Neufeld and uh, Nigel Bigger on issues around just war and nonviolence. If anybody hasn't seen that, I'll put it on our podcast on our homepage if you want to listen to it. It's about an hour and a half. Okay, we'll take another question if anybody's got one. Yes. Hi. So I've
1: been reading a lot today, in particular. I think as some of the some more votes are being counted and Hillary's popular vote total, yeah. I think I was reading it's the most that someone's got after Obama in terms of number of votes, and it's led to the whole debate over the Electoral College and the fairness of the system. Just wondered what you thought. Is that going to be relooked at because of the election?
2: Twice that's happened, you know, it happened with Gore who had uh, half a million votes more than uh, than Bush. Uh, And yet, uh, Bush became the president. Um, That's a bit of uh, political maneuvering which is in some ways um, still not acceptable to everybody, I'll say that modestly. But that's the system we enter, and that's the system we deal with as it is. If if the American people are given the option to change that, then they have the right to do so. At this point, we have to live with that. And I don't think it's likely, based on that plurality of votes she won, is likely to convince any objective observer that they should reverse the Electoral College ruling. I don't, does that answer your question, sir? Uh, 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 it's imperfect, but what in human life is perfect? No, we're. Uh.
0: Thank you. We've got time for uh, either two quick ones or one more involved question. So I would love to hear another question. Quick one from Philip.
1: <laughs> uh, I've, Tony Blair seems to have lost his reputation completely since the Iraq War, and his pillar read all the time. What about george Bush we don 't hear anything about him much over here. I mean has he is his reputation sort of still level or is it plunged like blair's or wh- where does where does George Bush stand now today for example
2: he he's not taking any active role in uh uh, international work. He has worked some with Jimmy Carter uh, um, and uh, the mostly volunteer um, coordination with um, charity work and uh, humanitarian relief system, but he has not taken a formal role in leadership. Um, uh, let's see. Let me just say personally, I I don't think uh, that uh, President uh, George Bush was a great thinker. His father was a very intelligent man, but um, um, it was another um, strange American issue that got him elected. Uh, uh, um, Now, suppose you... Maybe I would rather not ask, answer that question and pose another one. I'm really looking forward to the possibilities of what Obama will do now because both he and his wife are among the bright, best and brightest in America. And the, the doors are open and possibilities almost limitless, except becoming um, judge on the Supreme Court.
0: I think on that note of hope (laughs) for the future.
1: It was good to have a note of hope. Um, Thank you. Thank you for what you've given us and food for thought and for answering our questions.